Gentlemen, let's start talking about football. We will start on Thursday night. Louisiana Lafayette goes to Arkansas State at 6.30 p.m. Central. God's time zone on ESPNU. That evening at 8 o'clock, you don't get much of a choice. You just get the two games. UCLA goes to Stanford, 8 o'clock on ESPN. We move to Friday. Marshall is at Florida Atlantic on five at 5.30 on CBS Sports Network. ESPN has Pitt at Syracuse at 6 and then 7.30 on FS1. Uh, the Ohio State goes to Northwestern, followed by the nightcap. The freshly undefeated in the Southeastern Conference, UNLV, goes to Fresno State on CBS Sports Network. Um, my favorite notes, as the guys assemble their thoughts for the week, I'm picking my favorite note. We'll start there first. Richard, um, your question for Northwestern Ohio State is, do you want to see a dead body? Yeah, I every year uh, with our dearly departed friend Bill Connolly, in his statistical profiles, I love to find the team with the most disparate offensive S&P rating and defensive S&P rating. Um, last year, Northwestern was the... By S&P, Northwestern was the worst Power 5 division champion um, in quite a while, I'm pretty sure ever. This year, uh, Northwestern is 62nd overall S&P. They are offensive S&P 124th, defensive S&P 5th. This is the magnum opus uh, for Pat Fitzgerald and the Northwestern Wildcats. They are as unbelievably unbalanced a team as unbalanced can be. They must lean on that defense. Um, it's Ohio State. Ohio State's better. I'm not going to sit here and act like Northwestern is actually going to win this game. They could drag this game into the muck. Um, I'm not sure what the total is. Bud's got that probably. But I, they could drag this in the muck and have it be ugly. Ohio State's going to win. But, I mean, it's Friday night, so what else are you going to watch? Ohio State, uh, the total in this game is 49, which I strongly considered uh, taking the under, except I'm a little bit worried that Ohio State starters, and I do think they'll pull their starters early in this game because on deck is Wisconsin. So there's no reason to leave the guys in for long term. Uh, but look, Northwestern's offense is is terrible, and uh, they could give a lot of short fields to Ohio State. Ohio State could, could be up you know, 31 nothing in the first half of this thing, and then I'm sweating out and under where – you know, if Northwestern gets a garbage time touchdown and Ohio State's backups get two, then, then I lose. So I went ahead and and passed on that. I might play uh, – I would consider maybe playing the first half under. We'll see. Um, or second half, just depending on, on the game state. Can I note something here, though, on an upcoming game, Pitt Cuse? Yeah, I was about to say. I was going to throw to you and say you've got the note here about uh, very aggressive defenses. Um, what does that mean when two aggressive defenses play each other from a number standpoint? probably turnovers and maybe explosive plays that can hit him down the field. However, uh, I want to piggyback off Richard's note here about the uh, disparate gap between uh, the offense and defense uh, between uh, Northwestern. Uh, Pitt is actually number two in those ratings <laughs> with the 114th ranked offense wow. uh, and the number 11 ranked defense nationally. That's impressive. Cuse is a little more balanced, but also not any good this year. Uh, but, yeah, both these teams try to get a lot of tackles for loss. They play very aggressive. They, they don't allow a whole lot of completions. But when they do allow them, they're large. It, you, in fact, you saw that against Clemson, right? Uh, Syracuse sold out like crazy, but then Clemson would hit 50-yard passes on them. Uh, so, yeah, that, I don't really even want to watch that game. But mm -hmm. there could be short fields, turnovers, and explosive plays. Uh, but I don't play the under 54 in that. Like with Syracuse, this is this is regression, right? This is is this regression to the mean, or is this what they should have been last year too? They're definitely worse than they, than they were last year. Uh, I, I think you think they're worse more than regression. 
one of the main questions I had, if you guys remember all those notes I did in, in the offseason about each team, yeah, the, yeah. The one thing I really wanted to know was could they replace the not I don't think Dungey was a good thrower of the football. I mean, obviously he's trying to play a different position in the NFL, right? But could they replace his legs? And DeVito is not a good runner. Syracuse's run game uh is is pretty bad, actually. And I don't think their offensive line is any good this year. Dungey bailed him out not so much with throws so much, but he created some explosive plays and he was very good with his legs. This year they're 122nd nationally in rushing success rate. So the answer there is no, uh, as, as far as can Dungey run, um, or excuse me, DeVito running, he's bad at it, and they they, they they lack that element in their offense this year. Bud, uh, just real quick overview halfway through the year, Syracuse, temporary regression related to the roster, overall regression of a program. I don't think they have to be this bad, because, look, guys, they're probably 50-50 to make a bowl. Yeah. Right? Okay. Uh, I Like, last year they finished 40th, this year they finished – or they're 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 sixty sixth in, in in SP plus. I think that's close to where they are in FPI. Now I think they're going to go bowling, right? Because they 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 do still get uh, Boston College and BC just lost its quarterback. But like this is not a guarantee to go bowling. I if you if you're if you make a bowl at Syracuse though, you should be happy in my opinion. One uh, more is not realistic, gentlemen. On a consistent basis. The the Thursday night game with UCLA and Stanford does it have? Is there anything that you could glean from either outcome of this game? No, you notice the note that I put in the sheet. It just says they could possibly win this game. It doesn't say which team because I'm not sure it matters. Like yeah. what like what would you what would you learn about either team beating either team? Like at this point, we uh. what we thought about UCLA and Washington State um is what it actually was. That was an insane multi-ball Something I, I don't even know what to call it. It's the mm -hmm. wildest result of the season. It means absolutely nothing moving forward. I think Stanford pretty much is what they are at this point. Um, and it's like if they win, they win. If they lose, they lose. Like Stanford's an average, an average football team. Uh, I'm going to ask this again. Are any but, starting did, quarterbacks uh, going to play in this? Is Thompson Robinson going to play? I know Costello's already ruled out. Costello's ruled out, and Mills is also, I think, questionable. Well, who the hell is Stanford's third string QB? Uh the he play or I think his name's Parkinson? Park Park something Col like uh, that. Colby Parkinson was a there tight end is. to them. The only real conversation wow. coming out of Stanford at this point is that David Shaw's name seems to be surfacing with more frequency in terms of NFL openings. Without knowing, since this is far outside of our purview, at a certain point does X number of Stanford losses hurt his candidacy to leave? Imagine selling David Shaw to your to your NFL fan base. I, I mean, think that's a yuck. I think it's a very good point. Is is it is it a point where he may not be able to go? So and real quick, Jack West is the backup is the okay. third string quarterback for Stanford. Jack West. Um, um yeah, I, I don't I don't know if the like the shine just may be off David Shaw if this continues to trend to like a six and six direction. I think mm -hmm. you're at three and three right now. You're at something of a crossroads for Stanford. Um, if you can get this to eight and four, that'd be really impressive coming home, right? They have, who they got left? Eight and four. They have Colorado, it's winnable. Eight and four. Ooh. Eight and four coming home. Walk me through an eight and I'll, four Stanford real quick. Richard, Richard. I'll, I'll, give, I'll give you 10 to one. They don't get to eight and four. 
I don't think they will, but I'm saying if he can, that's sure. the turnaround that you can sell to yeah. an NFL fan base. That's what I'm saying. Well, the thing I'm is, trying to see saw, if it's. I'm trying to see if the road is actually here, and I uh, uh, do not believe that it is. Like if you're if you're a, there's no ads in in NFL. It's it's just GMs. But yeah, like imagine selling us. Hey guys, I'm going to hire us an offensive coach whose team can't score at the college level. And by the way, he's one of the worst game managers in all of college football. Like the guy makes the worst, like like the most negative EV decisions possible, kicking all these these twenty and eighteen yard field goals. He's not a good game manager. I, I yeah, like if my NFL team hired David Shaw, I'd, I'd be so out. Because like if you give me an offensive coach, his team's better score, and his teams don't. Um, how bad is Fresno State going to beat UNLV and then in turn make Vanderbilt's situation look that much worse? Yeah, I mean Fresno State might get two coaches fired Friday night. That's impressive. That's uh, that's not an anxiety, but I don't know what that is—a drive-by. All right, gentlemen, let's move to Saturday. <clears throat> as I clear my throat. Uh, hey, starting with a banger, Auburn at Arkansas. Well, it, it used to be a banger. Uh, that's 11 a.m. on the SEC Network. ABC has Clemson at Louisville. Florida goes to South Carolina on ESPN. ACC Network has Georgia Tech in Miami. Houston is at UConn on ESPNU. FS1 has Iowa State at Texas Tech. Kent State goes to Ohio on CBS Sports Network. On the ACC regional confusion business, whatever, check your local thing. NC State goes to Boston College. Purdue is at Iowa on ESPN2. West Virginia goes to Oklahoma. That's a game now, I guess, on Fox. That's your big nude game. Uh, Wisconsin. Scani goes to Illinois. Richard, I swear to God, if you do it, when we get there, I swear <laughs> to God. Um, we're going to stop there and we'll pick up the one o'clocks with, uh, with, uh, central Michigan. We'll, we'll pick, uh, we'll just stop with just purely the 11 a.m. games. Richard, just get it. You have exactly, I'm getting out my phone. I swear to God, I can't believe I'm, I'm encouraging this behavior. <laughs> Sorry, bud. You have exactly, exactly 60 seconds to tell me why this is an interesting game. And not Which one? A murder. Wisconsin Which and Illinois. One? Wisconsin and Illinois. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's an interesting game. I'm sitting here and telling you you should watch the murder. Um, although we do Illinois just here on PAPN, what I think you should do is watch the way Wisconsin plays defense because I think you need to enjoy the suffocation while they can still suffocate because I'm not sure they're going to suffocate Ohio State. That's a different conversation for a different day, and we will have it. But, like, I think – when I watch Wisconsin, I pay much more attention to the offense, and I think that's a bit of a folly because the way that they play defense is, as Wisconsin, a way to play defense too, which is to literally have as many linebackers on the field at a given time as humanly possible. They basically play a 2-4-5. I'm not supposed to say it's their base defense, but whatever. They play a 2-4-5 a lot of the time. It's virtually a base defense, I should say, probably. That's two down defensive linemen. It looks like a 4-3 because it's two down defensive linemen and two linebackers walked up in stand-up defensive end positions. It becomes versatile because those defensive end linebackers, what they really are, they can drop at any time. They can rush at any time. You can bring rushes from different angles. It's kind of fun to watch Jim Leonard scheme that defense and scheme ways to absolutely shut you down um, with, with linebacker speed both on the edges and inside. It's fun to watch. Watch it. They're going to absolutely suffocate and boa constrict Illinois. Um, they very well could pitch a shutout. They've done it four times this season. But right. uh, normally I go macro. 
and try and take you guys out of your your um, minutia. But Oklahoma as a playoff contender, yes, seems like a pretty easy stance to take. And then you don't like them as a title contender. Is there something relative? Oh, to the I, I have I have a Wisconsin note. Oh, okay, there go ahead. Go. Uh, Look at this. So oh, Wisconsin, let's do five the, minutes on Illinois. Thanks, Richard. Double barrel Wisconsin, Illinois. The the average ranking of opposing offenses faced by Wisconsin so far this year in SP plus ninety fourth. Jesus. All right. I look, I don't like. There's some reason for skepticism about Wisconsin's but, defense. I'm telling you, but, like this is a good defense. I think it's a really good defense, and they are doing to these bad offenses what. And elite defense Wait. does to them. But there is yes. reason for skepticism because they have not played a single opponent who is competent both in the run and pass game. I'm not even going to say good in run pass game. <laughs> Name me a single team they've played who would, you would say is at least average in both. You can't do it. That's why Their I rating said. is actually going – like this This stat here is actually going to jump after they put, play Illinois because Illinois is 52nd in offense. <laughs> Illinois is almost the best offense Wisconsin will have played this year. Then they're going to go play a little team named Ohio State. Now, can you play the same style that you've played all year against these really, really bad offenses that you've played? Again, the average that they've played is 94th. That's hard to do. All right. Then they're going to go play a, a team who's sixth in offense nationally. I'm, I'm just saying, like, if you want to have some skepticism about Wisconsin, the, the offenses they've played are god awful. I apologize, See, I said I apologize we're have to the- all of the Wisconsin listeners of this podcast. I can't control these idiots, but take me to Oklahoma. All right, so I love Oklahoma's path to the playoff. I think the chance that they get through the Big 12 uh, with just one loss is pretty solid. But this is now week three in a row where Jalen Hurts is just throwing the ball up and okay. being careless with the ball. And when they have to play some good defenses, which in the Big 12, uh, not to be stereotypical here, but Richard, who's your favorite Big 12 defense? I mean, am I wrong to say it's probably Oklahoma? No, it's not. In fact, Oklahoma's defense is better than LSU's, uh, which is potentially a problem when LSU goes to Bama. Uh, that is weird and also makes sense. Like I'll allow it. Iowa Alex Grinch is a good coach. Iowa State is a top 20 defense, but I, with the way Hurts is just chucking the ball up, uh, I'm not – like, I'm really high on them getting to the playoff, but I have some skepticism about their ability to win in the playoff unless he unless he cleans that up. The problem is the questions we had about him at Bama were the same. It was the throwing, and we'll see. I'm just – that's three weeks in a row now. And it's not even the downfield stuff because he can still rip that shit. Yeah. Like, he can still absolutely rip that thing. Um, the problem, it becomes the short stuff, the stuff that a playoff-level team isn't going to give you. Um, that, that's the problem with Jalen Hurts. Um, is there anything though that would change opinions in any of these situations based on what you're going to do against West Virginia? No, because West Virginia is pretty banged up, right? Yeah. Uh, West Virginia is real bad too. If, if Kendall doesn't play for West Virginia, um, Jack Allison can't play, right? Like that, this is, that was like an auto bet under as soon as we, as soon as we realized that Greer wasn't playing in the, remember the, the field day we had live betting that last year? It was like, oh my God, Jack Allison's good. Jack Allison's not any good. Um, like against Syracuse in the bowl game there. So, yeah, I, I don't think we'll learn a whole lot from this. Most likely, West Virginia is not not a good team. Uh, Florida and South Carolina injuries, ugliness, weird swings. Richard, yeah, Florida's can, got Florida's you, got both defensive ends. I don't know if they're going to play. Nobody knows if they're going to play. 
Kadarius Tony still not going to play from Florida. Um, you know, Florida played well on offense until they blinked late in the fourth quarter against LSU. They could have used a game breaker at some point in that game. Um, I, I don't know. I, like, I know Helinski is supposed to play on Saturday, but Helinski played against Georgia on one leg. The other leg got hurt. Are we, like, supposed to sit here and assume he's 100%, honestly? Is there any way in which, I mean, the way in which Florida lost to LSU is not something South Carolina could really replicate. So are we, why are we talking about this game being close, bud? So I'm so annoyed at South Carolina. First of all, I owe an apology to South <laughs> Carolina. Uh, but I do, like, like Will Muschamp, nice job. I, they have a real good chance to make a bowl now. And Before last week, I did not think that their bowl chances were that good. If you make a bowl with this schedule, they should throw Will Muschamp a parade. Um and, and they're, they're likely to, to make it. If Florida had played LSU a little bit closer, which, look, they should have gotten blown out in that game based on, you know, getting out gained on the yards per play basis by over 100%. Mullen did a, a masterful job to keep that thing as close as they did. But with Florida getting blown out and – or not getting blown out, but Florida losing basically what the spread said they would, but also South Carolina winning – I was so looking forward to betting South Carolina here, like plus 10 or something. The, the, the back-to-back road trips for UF coming off, you know, Auburn, LSU, and, and now South Carolina. I, I think that's pro- part of the reason why this, this spread is what it is. It's how much does Florida have left in the tank here? This is a, a bit of a difficult stretch. South Carolina's defense, um, it's, it's better than LSU's. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, LSU does not have a – I don't think their defense is in the top half of the SEC right now, or certainly not the top third. But I will say, I think that, and we're, we're going to get to Georgia's passing game a lot, but I think if, if South Carolina plays Florida on defense the way that they played Georgia, I don't think they'll have similar amounts of success because, and we will get to this, Florida's receivers can do what Georgia's receivers by either scheme or talent could not, and that's Absolutely. win. Because we saw what Florida was able to do against Auburn. Florida's receivers are able to do against Auburn. They can win one-on-one matchups, and they and Dan has shown that he can match up, um, that he can scheme guys open. And I, yeah, I'm not betting South Carolina here. Uh, I think if you do bet South Carolina here, what you're looking at is South Carolina's D line is pretty good. Uh, Auburn held Florida to five and a half yards of play. Uh, LSU held Florida to five point four yards of play. It's tough to get blown out when the opposing team is only you know only, only moving the. the the ball at like a 5.5 clip. However, if South Carolina has to play to carry and joiner for long periods of time, Florida could easily have short fields, and I'm staying the hell away from this one. Uh, before we get into watchability and actually setting the menu for the morning slate, there's a couple kind of single-note narratives here. Obviously, Arkansas is going to pile-drive Arkansas. Excuse me, Auburn is going to pile-drive Arkansas in every way, shape, or form. That continues to stretch on and just be probably now more awful than it should be at Arkansas. Georgia Tech and Miami, kind of a similar situation. As bad as Miami's looked, I don't think that they would have a problem with a Tech roster that's just fundamentally incomplete. And then NC State could knock Boston College essentially out of any – I mean, this could – I would say the single game could open Boston College, but this is going to create the referendum that will ultimately open Boston College. Watch but he does gentlemen. have a he, he does have an ounce of cover with the with the quarterback injury again. It's an ounce of cover, but it's it is a little of, bit of cover. Uh, yeah, I would say maybe in year three or two. Um, I don't know if that's going to ring. I don't know if you if you can hang on to that. Um, 
Watchability might be Iowa State, Texas Tech. That might be the most watchable game on this entire morning slate in terms of interest. Um, we're all sort of figuring out the middle class of the Big 12. This is going to tell us that. Um, unless anybody objects, there's not a lot of pure watchability. I see a, I see a heap and help in a blowouts and disinterested sort of single note games. Can we uh, can we redo the Big Big Twelve hierarchy? Because it is time to demote Texas. Demote uh, them. Do it, bud. They, they are no longer they are no longer deserving of that number two spot all to themselves. They are firmly in that kind of two to seven range with everybody else under five yards of play against Oklahoma's defense. Oklahoma's defense has improved, but that was a shameful effort uh, from Texas. They really should have gotten blown out if, if Hurts had not bailed them out with turnovers. Um, yeah, like that's they they don't deserve to be up there. They're not a top fifteen caliber team. Um, LSU, if they want to make the playoff as a one-loss team, by the way, mm-hmm. they really could use Texas not not going on to lose five or four or five games in a regular season. Which is when is I mean, that, they'll be fine. When is that a fine. bad loss? Or sorry, when is that not as good a win? I mean, when like is it is it eight and four Texas or seven and five? Like eight and four Texas, you could still sell that, right? Yeah, like eight and four Texas, is, they're probably ranked though. Yeah, um, because they're Texas. LSU got real lucky that that Oklahoma was sloppy. And, and didn't blow them out. Again, if that happens, I, then LSU's one-loss playoff claim is is reduced. Texas is November. Kansas State at Iowa State at Baylor, Texas Tech. If I said over-under of two, and you can also pick push, what are you picking? I'm pushing. I'm pushing, too. I, yeah, I, I, think they, I think they lose at least four games. I'm about to in push into these advertisements. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, gentlemen, we move to the afternoon. We're going to start at 1 o'clock on ESPN3 with Central Michigan at Bowling Green. Get excited. Toledo goes to Ball State on ESPN+. Plus. Oregon State's at California. California, Berkeley, if you're into that thing. Pac-12 Network, nobody's going to watch that because they can't. FSN has TCU at Kansas State, same time slot. ESPN+, Plus has Northern Illinois at Miami of Ohio. New Mexico goes to Wyoming at 2 o'clock on that altitude. Oh, man, just look it up. Uh, Coastal Carolina is at Georgia Southern on ESPN3. The ACC Network has Duke and Virginia. Indiana goes to Maryland on the Big Ten Network. Uh, LSU is at Mississippi State on the CBS game because, you know, you, you got to put one of them on there. Uh, North Carolina is at Virginia Tech on the ACC Regional Mess. ABC has Oregon at Washington, 2.30 Central. So that is a, a, a good slot and an early kick in the West Coast, such as the conundrum. South Florida goes to Navy on CBS Sports Network. Southern Miss is at Louisiana Tech on the NFL Network. Minnesota goes to Rutgers. Putting that undefeated streak on the line. Big Ten Network, 230. Temple goes to SMU. Speaking of undefeated streaks on ESPN2. Tulsa is at Cincinnati on ESPNU. ESPN3 has Buffalo at Akron. ULM is at App State on ESPN+. We move to 3 o'clock. Baylor's at Oklahoma State on Fox. Missouri's at Vanderbilt on the SEC Network. Charlotte goes to WKU on Plus. Stadium has Middle Tennessee and North Texas. Old Dominion is at UAB. I will stop there before we get to 5 o'clock. 
Uh, um, it's a it's a day for volume shooting when it comes to viewing. How about that? Uh, can we start with Toledo? Uh, of Please course, but of course, bud. Regale Let's start with Toledo. All right. So every week I, I write for Banner Society the most disappointing team of the week, which is the team that was the most off compared to the spread. We use Vegas as kind of like a, a neutral, um, you know, table setter there. And Toledo last week won the most disappointing uh, team of the week award with a negative 40. They were favored by 27 at Bowling Green, which has the Leffler-Van Gorder combo. Uh, and they lost by 13 points. So that is negative 40 against spread. How did they do it? I was really trying to figure out what the hell happened looking at the box score. Well, they had a 23-yard punt from their own 10. Uh, they had a blocked field goal. They had an uh, interception thrown at Bowling Green's 5. They muffed two kickoff returns inside their own five My and goodness. had a block punt in their own territory, and this was all in the first half. And then yeah. their quarterback got hurt to start the, the second. <laughs> the field position for Bowling Green in the first half was unbelievable. This all was, of these things are how Brian Van Gorder and Scott Loeffler look smart. I mean, you, you just need a confluence of events there. Um, that's the worst special teams half I've ever seen. It's pretty pretty terrible. Um at 2.30 game um, on CBS, LSU is going to be fine, right? Um, I, I feel like if there's a theme this week, it might be measuring how bad teams in bad situations look even badder. Uh, Mississippi State would carry on what I was just talking about and just this is – all of a sudden, we've got a we've got a big swirl of a narrative, Richard, on Mississippi State. Joe Moorhead can't get it done. Talking about Rutgers, not ready for the prime time. All this stuff. Um, this is not the right week to be playing LSU. Well, yeah, if they didn't lose a bevy of NFL defensive talent, I'd be talking about how Mississippi State could make this something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not sure this is the uh, the curb that trips LSU up. No, I don't see how. I, I, unless I'm missing something here, I don't. Um, it's going to be interesting just to see how bad it gets. Um, and then how serious, you know, as we fleshed this out a little bit on the um, on the Coaching Rumors show yesterday, you know, we don't know what Moorhead's thinking. He's active in recruiting. They're doing pretty well in Mississippi. Um, it's going to be fascinating to watch down the stretch to see what kind of decision he makes on staying or going or if that decision's made for him. Uh, both of you want to talk about Oregon and Washington. Um, it's, I'll start with a very simple narrative and set the table for you guys. If Oregon loses this game, the Pac-12 is an indecipherable mess and USC could win the whole thing. I was going to say the South already is. It's just time for the North to come down to earth. And by the North, we mean Oregon. I'm not saying they're going to lose this game, guys. I'm just saying if Oregon loses this game, we don't know how to understand, judge, measure anything with the Pac-12. And USC is probably just going to end up in the Rose Bowl, and Clay Helton's going to keep his job, I guess. Uh, so, look, I I think I pretty much kind of know what Washington is. Um, I think Washington's average to above average at best. I just don't really think they have it this year. Um, I will say we're we're going to give Jimmy Le- Jimmy Lake um, minority coordinator to watch this week to see how they can try to stop Oregon um, if they can hold up in the run game and really, really, really force Justin Herbert to throw the ball. Maybe. Maybe. Justin Herbert's really talented, NFL, that sort of story. Um, but, or you know, from Washington, you're going to see some of that 2-4-5 uh, 
that we talked about with Wisconsin. You're also going to see some 3-2-6 uh, just because they're a Pac-12 team and they need to get a bunch of DBs on the field when they need a dime look. That's what they look like. Um, I, I, but I don't know if they're going to run a lot of that because they're going to need people in the box to stop Oregon's run game. They, they have to respect Oregon on the ground. Um, and so they might even run out like a 3-4, like a really, you know, legitimate and classic kind of 3-4 look if Oregon really wants to go beefy here. Uh, last year, Oregon had some success, especially in the first half, um, when Washington played man with some crossing routes, uh, kind of rubbing guys open and getting guys open, and, and Herbert was and Herbert was able to feast there. Um, we know that Justin Herbert can make all the throws. If this is good, great Justin Herbert, Oregon will win this game, and I think they'll win it kind of handily, like a 14 to a 17. Uh, but if if Wisconsin can do what Cal, or sorry, if Washington can do what Cal did to Justin Herbert, which is make him indecisive, make him hold on to the ball and not do the three-step drop, back foot, and it's out, if you can make him hold a beat, I think you can force him into some bad situations and some bad choices. This but should I got be a 3.30 CBS game. Yeah, without a doubt. But like, uh, issues with Mario Cristobal, comma game manager. Yeah, just not not a good not a good in game coach um, at all, in my opinion. Uh, runs the ball way too much. Their passing game is a lot better than their run game, and yet just tries to do just three yards and a cloud of dust stuff. Pretty pretty inefficient. Their passing game has actually been a lot better than their run game, even without these receivers who they're now getting back. Uh, so I'm interested to see if Oregon actually opens it up. If you're Washington, you you would love to see. Uh, Oregon run the ball in this game 40 or 45 times and, and only give Herbert, you know, 20 or 25 throws. I, I, I think Oregon's run game has not been that good, but they just tr- keep trying to run all the time. I'm interested in seeing how much of that was because they had a lot of receivers out and didn't trust the guys that they had in there, and how much of that is just Crystal Ball trying to play Bama Ball, you know, stubbornness without the same level of, of Bama-type players. Oregon's defense is really good. They did shut down a pretty solid Colorado offense last weekend. Uh, but I actually ended up taking uh, the under in this game at where did I get it under fifty six down to fifty and a half. I don't trust uh, either the, either of these offenses very much, um, and we'll we'll see we'll we'll see if they let Herbert throw. But I want to know if Oregon's going to force Jacob Eason to throw. To be honest with you, I think that's Oregon what I really want to do. That I, I don't think Washington's run game is that good. You made me feel better in the newsletter, for, uh, the Banner Society newsletter, the read option, which you can subscribe to by going and visiting thebannersociety.com. Um, you you told me what I thought I knew about Minnesota, which is that, yeah, it's fun and it's great, um, but this is a flawed, undefeated team. Yeah, so they were basically uh, – they were undefeated through their first couple games and should not have been, right? They really should have started 2-2. Two and two. And then they started playing some pretty dominant football uh, in their last three. Uh, now, granted, we didn't get the caveat here. All of those games were uh, against backup quarterbacks, or in some cases, third-string quarterbacks when, when the backup got hurt in those games. But they did play dominant football over the last three games. So they have shown a, a different gear that they can get into. Uh, they also run the ball way too much. Um, Tanner Morgan, their, their quarterback, does a, a really nice job, but they only let him throw 13 passes. Sometimes uh, that seems to be their formula. It's it's worked so far, uh, and in the Big Big Ten West, it should continue to work in most of their games. I uh, think they get what Rutgers this weekend, I think, right? So, you know, like that's it. Should, it should definitely continue to work. Their defense is pretty salty. Um, I know Richard had, had some cool notes about their uh, about their red zone as well. 
Yeah, I look. So Bud gets to be bad cop. I'll be good cop about Minnesota, but I don't think it's sustainable. But for now, uh, they're going to smash Rutgers because Minnesota is like unbelievable in the red zone. 26 trips in the red zone this season, 22 touchdowns. That's seventh nationally. Um, nearly every game this season, they basically um, have five points per scoring opportunity, which is every time they've crossed the 40. They basically never have to kick field goals. They've only kicked six field goals all season. That's 108th nationally. Um, if their red zone touchdown total and percentage holds, mm-hmm. they'll be top 15 in total touchdowns in the red zone, and they'll probably be a leader in the country in touchdown percentage, at least top five or top 10. Um, I don't think they will. They basically only one run when they get in the red zone. This isn't sustainable, but it's fun for now. Godfrey, this would basically be like what would happen if the Falcons actually threw the ball to Julio in the red oh, zone. Oh, right? hurt like they, me. Hurt me. They would just score every time. Touchdowns every yeah, time. What a novel fucking concept. Uh, Gentlemen, one more time, just because when you rattle off these numbers, this sounds like what you hired P.J. Fleck from Western Michigan to do. Explain one more time, Bud, you first, then Richard. Why is it just because of the opponents that they played, or is it something deeper with the roster or with the play calling that you feel like this is not sustainable? Well, because they were very lucky to not have lost to an FCS team and any of their other you know, three starting games, and then... I think there's reason to question their dominance in the most three recent games because they did play legitimately second or third string quarterbacks, uh, just so happened with injury luck to their opponents in those recent three. I think they've shown legitimate improvement throughout the season, but they should have two losses right now for sure. And if any of those teams had their starting quarterbacks, it's possible Minnesota could be a three-loss team right now. Uh, November is Penn State, Iowa, Northwestern, Wisconsin. Three of those teams can play. Oh my three God. of those teams can play better Wisconsin football or uh, better Minnesota football than Minnesota, than Minnesota can, I think. Um, and Penn State's just flat out better. If Minnesota is able to sneak into the Big Ten championship game, then they'll play Ohio State. Good luck. So it sounds like what we're saying is actually that we would be really, really in love with a one or a two loss Minnesota and what they're doing, what they're trying to do, and the and the overall path they're on. It's just that we're not so much in love with this concept of undefeated Minnesota earning that title by a, a little bit of circumstantial chance. Just sort of, it's a little shady. How about that? I mean, they're playing to their strengths. Like Fleck really loves their offensive line, so they're running the hell out of the ball. Um, but you know, what happens when somebody gets really beefy and stands up to him up front? Uh, guys, this is where game day should be. And it's not is in Dallas with them. Cocaine Cowboys, SMU. Pigs. Um, is this the day that is this when Temple tough actually cashes in and, and shuts down this SMU offense? I like, Shit. you know, styles make matchups. I like this. I'm excited about this game. Shit, it might be. I mean, look what look what Temple did to Maryland when Maryland tried to quit game them the whole time in the first quarter or the first half. Yeah, Temple was just like, no, you're not doing that. Like we're we we can defend that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take SMU here. Uh, I, I think Memphis should have won that game. Um, obviously, there there was the bad call at the end. Uh, Memphis actually outgained Temple uh, by twenty percent in Temple, right on on, on a per play basis. That's that's pretty legit. Memphis had some turnovers. Uh, I, I think if you if you look at the what was their post game win expectancy like twenty percent. So yeah, it's twenty one percent. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and take SMU here, but not with a ton of confidence, right? SMU also showed some some real weakness against Tulsa, but this is a, a good 
This is a pretty good good AAC game. Um, again, as we suss out that middle class in the Big 12, we have Baylor and we have Oklahoma State. Baylor is the underdog in this game. Baylor, again, showing similarities to Minnesota in certain ways. Um, you know what? I don't often do this, but I just ask you guys for a prediction here because this one feels hard to suss out. I played Baylor plus four uh, when it came out. Okay. Um, basically, I think you do have to note that Oklahoma State is uh, is off the bye week, and Baylor has just had a, a pretty tough pretty tough run here. No breaks. Iowa State at Kansas State, Texas Tech, and now they're at Oklahoma State. Uh, but Baylor's pretty balanced. I mean, they have a, a top 25 offense and defense. Richard, what's going to make me feel better about Baylor? If it like it, 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 they might win this game, I don't want to say fluky, but a one to three point type of situation. What do I need to see? What do we we as the collective need to see to to feel better about Baylor relative to I their need record? To see, I need to see if Baylor can win this game in a track meet. Okay, I need to see if Baylor can win this game in the forties in regulation. Okay, that feels right. It feels it just feels like something's missing here. It, it's hard to feel exactly what. Um, Real quick, I just want to uh, kind of clean up some edges here before we go watch Ability. Um, Duke and Virginia, quietly an interesting matchup. Um, Virginia has not looked as sharp as late. Um, Indiana at Maryland, this is another one of those games. We Again, a, just to harken back to our previous podcast on coaching, Tom Allen feels good and safe in Indiana. This is a year you want to beat Maryland. This is a game you need. It's a conference win. You need to go ahead and put that in your pocket. Uh, North Carolina-Virginia Tech. North Carolina opens it up on this one. Anxiety is just going to get worse and worse and worse for the Hokies. Um, I was just about to say, North Carolina can embarrass Virginia Tech. Yeah, There's a way that North is. Carolina embarrasses Virginia Tech in this game. Absolutely, there is. Uh, watchability, guys, I think I mean it's, it's Oregon and Washington. Um, I am interested to see Minnesota for a second. It's just that the competition there against is so bad. But my pick is going to be Temple and SMU. Uh, can we have a quick North Texas note? Go for Please it. Please do. All right, so North Texas, uh, their cornerbacks are god-awful. I mean, just horrendous. They've played three decent passing offenses this year. That's Sutter Miss, uh, Houston, and uh, SMU. And they've allowed 49, 46, and 45. And the uh, passing success rate allowed in those games uh, all well, well over the national average. Like 64% (laughs) success rate against Sutter Miss, 57%. Against SMU, North Texas cornerbacks are terrible. Anytime they play a, a team that can throw the ball even a little bit, they're going to give up 30-plus, if not 40-plus. Uh, Bud and I have been batting around an idea of, like, you know, coaching markets and, and the wave that I, I always call it the wave, right, where where a coach comes in, changes around either a, a inarguably bad program or just has a good run at a program. And then the job you think they're fit for, the job maybe they think they're fit for, doesn't open the same time that they peak and have that 9-10, 11-win season. Seth Luttrell, great example, because obviously he was, you know, he was sort of bags packed, ready to go to K-State before some of the conditional stuff came in on that contract. And, I, you know, I don't want to get into whether he was right or wrong not to take the job because K-State looks to be very K-State and in a, in a successful way. Uh without him but he didn't take the job good for you now you're having a bad year now you're losing luster i'm curious and, and bud pointed this out as well we're, we're both kind of curious does this take does this 
somehow take away from what you've done on the whole at North Texas if they finish out with a bad season? I think if he can turn it around. Well, I think another thing that's that is not currently working in his favor but could next year if that makes sense is if Indiana really tanks. Now, we've talked about on the podcast, if you've listened to it already as we're recording, how Indiana's probably fine. But if that goes really, really south yeah. next year, then that's where Seth Luttrell may have enough time to get North Texas figured out to get some luster back on so that if Indiana perhaps opens, he's got ties at Indiana is why I'm bringing this up. Um, it, it could be an Indiana situation next season. Um, so, you know, it's, it's one year. Let's not maybe panic on him. The shine can come back. Okay. I could bring right. some good news to North Texas real quickly. The Let's remaining schedule, uh, Middle Tennessee State at Charlotte, UTEP at Louisiana Tech at Rice, UAB. None of those teams can throw the football. So well, there you go. You're fine, guys. You're going to win yeah, out. Like the cornerbacks well, might you. not matter because they're playing. Like Louisiana Tech might have the best passing game of those, and it's but still Elliot. like not not over two thirds in the nation. But Elliot, Group of Five analyst expert, gentlemen, let's go to five o'clock Central. Uh, game of the century of the Pac-12 South of the week. Um, that would be Arizona State at Utah on the Pac-12 Network. Damn, that sure would be a fun game for people to watch on television. Couldn't Kentucky be me. goes, <laughs> couldn't be anybody on this podcast. Uh, Kentucky goes to Georgia on ESPN. Plus has Maine and Liberty. Rice goes to UTSA on ESPN three. Colorado's at Wazoo on ESPNU at six o'clock. Also at six o'clock on CBS Sports Network, you have Eastern Carolina. I I like to say Eastern just to make them mad. Uh, they're at Central Florida. I can't remember which one makes them. Oh, Golden Knights. That's what they don't like. Anyway, uh, they don't like goes, Central Florida either. They don't like anything. Kansas goes to Texas at LH on LHN. Uh, Tulane is at Memphis on ESPN2. ESPN Plus has Army at Georgia State. San Diego State at San Jose State on Facebook slash Stadium. UTEP is at FIU on ESPN Plus. Also on ESPN Plus is the battle of two of the three directional Michigans, Western versus Eastern. 6.30 on the ACC Network is Florida State at Wake Forest. Also at 6.30 is Michigan at Penn State on ABC. Texas A&M goes to Oxford, Mississippi and plays Old Miss on the SEC Network. And Tennessee and Alabama renew a rivalry that actually sucks for anyone who didn't go to Tennessee or Alabama. <laughs> eight that, one, uh, that game's at 8 o'clock on ESPN. I hate that rivalry so much. Um, I will create the nightcap starting at 9, so I will include in this segment Arizona going to USC, and then we'll roll the last three games into a drunk in just a second. Um Lots of places we could start first. I'm just going to go ahead and spin this thing like it's Russian roulette. Actually, I want to go back to the top. Arizona State and Utah. Um, technically, they don't determine the, the, the Pac-12 South because USC is still alive in a, in a zombified state with really good wide receivers. But this does create a big, uh, significant path in the direction of the Pac-12 championship. Um, why is this the game that Herm wants to play, Richard? Because it's in a phone booth. It's like, it's Utah's offense. Um, Utah wants to run the ball. They've got one of the best running backs in the country. They've got a, a really good running quarterback. Utah wants to play this game 27-21. And Herm Edwards, stylistically, as just a football coach, wants to play that game. So that's that's it. That's all. And I think Arizona can win a game like that. I think Arizona is equipped to win this game. I don't know if they will because I think Utah is legitimately better. But, I mean, this is just the way... Herm Edwards would like to play football if he could have his option. But, Elliot, I think you're screwing with us. 
I think you come on this podcast like a Trojan horse and you've created some sort of year-long bit or meme that you're going to – because your pick for the watch of the night games is an AAC game. So I think that if this is a if this is a long con, bud, Elliot, you're laying it on a little too damn thick right now. So please tell me why Tulane and Memphis is your pick in this entire lineup. Just a really like fun battle of styles, right? It, it, it's Tulane's offense against Memphis's defense. Memphis's offense is kind of I, I don't trust Brady White. He, he has like an insane uh, split in terms of his completion percentage is off the charts, but their success rate is terrible. So he throws like a lot of like three yard passes and then occasionally a bomb. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just really fun. Like very different styles of football, both, both good teams, two of my favorite teams out there uh, to watch. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited for this one. Like Arizona state, Utah. Yeah. I, I like that one too. Uh, but I, I do think that um, I'm, I'm a little bit off Arizona state. Okay. okay? It, it, I'm, I think they're having a really, really great year, especially in the win and loss column. Michigan State just keeps getting worse every single week, so that win up there is a little bit diminished in my mind just compared to what we thought it was a month ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Colorado's defense, who they actually lost to, is just horrendous. Uh, Cal, obviously, they sh- they would have lost that game if Cal had not had Garbers go down uh, literally in what into the first half. And then it managed to pull out a squeaker over Washington State. Utah's pretty good. I have Utah... I think favored by like 12 in this. So that could be fun. But Tulane Memphis is is my pick. I think you're lying. And I think this is all (laughs) a joke. All right. uh, A couple (laughs) notes to clean up before I ask you guys a lot of questions because I am curious about Michigan and Penn State. Uh, A couple things to point out here. Army looked awful uh, relative to the last two or three years under Jeff Munkin at Western Kentucky last week. Now they're at a four and two Georgia State uh, team. That game's in Atlanta. Something to just keep in mind there. Army schedule is created as such to where they're going to be fine in terms of bowl eligibility. Obviously, they get three weeks off before they play Navy, and those are all the parameters you have to worry about if you're a Black Knights fan. However, uh, you know, not as good an Army team as last year for sure. Um, Other thing I wanted to point out, Rice goes to UTSA. Body bag game, nail in a coffin potentially if a very young Rice team and a very young Rice coaching staff were to go in and beat UTSA here. Could get very, very ugly. And then I would throw out very fast that if you are Georgia and you are in the situation Georgia is in post-South Carolina, Kentucky's probably going to cure what ails you. Um, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that before we get to Michigan. I do. Uh, uh, this is a, another game. Go for it. In, well, uh, Kentucky's starting a receiver at quarterback, Lynn Bowden. So that could be interesting. We'll have to see how... Uh, Georgia literally handles the Wildcat from the Wildcats. Uh, that's all I wanted to say about that game, uh, except for the fact that Georgia, oh, man, their receivers don't get open against anybody. We were talking about this in Slack the other day. And, like, when's the last time you saw a Georgia receiver running wide open deep? Like, did they I, scheme anybody open ever? It's incredible to me. So I I went and I charted, literally charted, Jake every Jake Fromm pass on Saturday against South Carolina. I think I counted 15 that were between the numbers and the sideline on either side, giving your wide receiver absolutely no chance to get yak and giving the South Carolina defender, who's more than likely playing in man coverage because they played man more than, I believe, 50% of the time, um, giving that man coverage defender an extra defender. Um, It's... 
I, I don't know. I, I don't know what George is trying to do in the pass game. I don't understand. The, the object of the exercise is to score points, but I don't understand how exactly through the passing game Georgia wants to actually score points or thinks it can actually score points. Um, I, I, it's, I don't know, and it's not going to be a problem on Saturday. It may be a problem against Florida. It may be a problem in the SEC championship game against Alabama. Like, that's when that comes to roost. Um, so, go ahead, bud. Georgia lost, what, their top four receivers in Isaac Nata off last year's team? They do not have a slot receiver who they trust, which I think is part of, to Richard's point, why they're not working the ball over the middle as much. They also don't have a legitimate deep threat who they trust or anybody who's really a, a great route runner. Pickens is, is otherworldly talented, but he is a true freshman. Robertson has always been more of an athlete than, than a technician. Cager is kind of a jump ball, big body guy. With the, I don't think he has great elite speed. He also got hurt in that game, I mean, they're, they've thrown the ball to their tight end, 13 targets all year. They don't have anybody they trust to target the middle of the field. Also, Georgia sneakily, their offensive line was supposed to be the best in the nation. It has not played up to standard so far this year. We've been hitting on this podcast for the last three weeks. They do not hit explosive plays. Richard's right, man. Florida can play man coverage. Bama, by the way, this year, their front seven I got a little bit concerns about, but Bama can play man-to-man in the back end. I think the chance that Georgia ends up beating Florida and and Bama is is real slim. Also, Missouri can beat them because Missouri can play man to man. Absolutely, gentlemen. A uh, couple things I uh, I'm curious about here: more of Penn State's identity than Michigan's. But Penn State, uh, you have Trace McSorley and Joe Moorhead, and a very explosive, almost like I mean, it was like a cultural enema to have that high scoring offense with Saquon, and it was all feel good post everything in Happy Valley. There's a regression when when Moorhead and Saquon and, and McSorley leave. Ricky Ronnie is a longtime James Franklin assistant, has put together, I think, a, a good offense that is probably just suffering from the comparison to what came before them. Simultaneously, I think another longtime James Franklin assistant, Brent Price, put together a really good defense that we're not talking enough about and when we talk about good defenses nationally. This is all setting up with a home game against Michigan to really be a showcase game to push Penn State directly, maybe even above Wisconsin, into that conversation of who can take out Ohio State in the Big Ten. I have not seen anything from Michigan. Feel free to tell me if I'm wrong. I have not seen anything from Michigan that says that Rutgers game and that bye week, they stopped. They fixed what was wrong on offense. They're going to be fine. They can go into a situation like this and score points in the passing game. Am I right? Am I wrong? Am I way off? Like I, Penn State, I think is, I think you should be really, really heartened by the fact that Penn State won that game against Iowa the way that they did. They were not clicking against Iowa, and I know a lot of people are like, "Oh, well, Iowa kind of drags you down and all that kind of stuff." Look, yes. Iowa, I get that, but Iowa doesn't force penalties that tank drives. Iowa doesn't drop first downs or touchdowns. Like, so Penn State had some self-inflicted wounds in that game. They overcame them. They played good defense, and they won the game. If it becomes a knockdown drag out against Michigan, which maybe it will because Michigan's defense is able to put pressure um, on Penn State in the passing game, then we know that Penn State can win this sort of game. I don't think Michigan can win this sort of game because I don't think Michigan's offense 
is is ready to take a step, take a next step. Nothing we've seen from this season has shown that anything can cure Michigan's ales. Michigan is what it is on offense, apparently. Bad offensive lines don't travel. And when I'm doing my, my power ratings, typically two and a half points for home field advantage. You give me a Penn State night game. Is this going to be a wideout, I assume? Yes, it I is. I assume so, yes. I mean, like, I don't think that the wideout helps you, but I think it does get the crowd whipped up into maybe a little bit extra frenzy. Uh, Michigan cannot run the ball really on anybody. Um, my only question here about Penn State is can they handle the blitz? Because Pitt was able to blitz Penn State pretty well and, and limit Penn State a little bit on offense. Iowa, a team that Penn State just went in there and out of Iowa, by the way. Shout out to their punter. Five punts dropped inside Iowa's 20. Yeah, uh, buddy. That's an Iowa way to beat Iowa, gentlemen. Right, and Penn State ran the ball with great success against Iowa. Not long runs, but they were consistently staying ahead of the chains against the Hawkeyes. Michigan is a very different defense stylistically under Don Brown because they they do blitz so much. Their defensive rating, by the way, in SP is third in the country. Michigan's defense not really dropping off like people think. Their offense keeps but, putting that defense in bad spots. But, Bud, the one thing with Michigan's defense that we've seen is that Michigan's defense against elite teams, that's when they struggle. Right. Well, they, they expose themselves in man-to-man so much. When, when, when they want to when they want to blitz as much as they do and I think elite teams have the ability to to beat that um does Penn State with their receivers we'll see like that's kind of a question about Penn State a little bit this year but I, I have Penn State winning this by I think nine um I, the one thing about this real quick is like with Michigan Michigan keeps losing fumbles like the fumble luck has not swung back in their favor. And if they fumble a couple times early, that crowd gets really whipped up into a frenzy and Michigan's behind the schedule of the game, then it gets ugly. All right, before we do the watchability, um, one more I want to touch on. Bud, Florida State, Wake Forest um, could be a shootout. I don't care. Look, this falls into into big old Florida State null narrative. It doesn't matter what year it is. You're supposed to be Wake Forest, right, buddy? Yeah, they're dogs. I, I took them at plus four uh, when it came out. That's been bet down to two. Um, I, I think this game will, will be played in, in the 70s uh, or, or maybe the 80s. Um, by the way, I was only a field goal from nailing the exact score in Florida State Clemson. I told the Noel listeners bet Clemson in the first half. This should be over by the half. And I said 45-17 with Florida State's points coming at garbage time. If Florida State kicks a field goal, like I'm going to just – I don't know, carry a recording of that episode around forever. Uh, <laughs> but they didn't. 45-14 was uh, the final there. Watchability, guys. I'm definitely going to go Penn State, Michigan, followed by uh, Bud, you know, G5 Bud's pick, uh, Tulane in Memphis. Uh, Richard, anything we want to add to the menu here before we move on to the drunk? Uh, no, that's about it. Uh, real quick group discussion. Um Let's be nice about Tennessee for a second. No. Tennessee, Tennessee got out to a a Tennessee adjusted uh, fast start against Mississippi State. They sat on the game, they killed the game, and they beat Mississippi State. South Carolina beat Georgia in in a similar way. I think. Oh God, I can't believe I'm about to say this. Is there a path here for Tennessee to beat Alabama in any way? No. No, I I was so wanting to bet Bama in this. I was I was like itching with my trigger finger to go ahead and pop any number that came up under thirty. 
Because yeah. I, I think Bama will will wax them. Uh, Bama has a bye week <laughs> next week, so there's no there's no look ahead spot here. There's no See, this reason what I to get pull for being too, nice. too early. You know what they open this line at, Richard? Thirty five. They're like, go ahead, <laughs> bet Bama. You got if, if Bama wins by by five touchdowns, it's not enough. It's a push, right? Like they're making you, uh, man. I was trying to give some iota of credit They're to Tennessee, you to bet Tennessee. For, for playing hard against Mississippi State and doing what I think Jeremy uh, J- Jeremy wants to, to see. Maybe they can ugly this up. All right, no. I can't even talk my I can't even talk myself into it. Bama just dropped forty seven on the road against a pretty decent A and M defense. I can't even talk myself into it. For the record, as the host of the show, that was not my that segment, not my idea. This is what happens when you give them a little room to run, kids. Um, let's move on to the drunk gentlemen. No, Tennessee's not winning any football games this week. I'll have you know at uh, <clears throat> excuse me, nine fifteen. Boise State goes to BYU, ESPN two. Nevada goes to Utah State, also at nine fifteen, ESPNU. Air Force is at Hawaii. Um, I tell you what, I'm going to do here. Just in case we wanted to talk about it, I'll throw the USC game in here as well because the drunk's kind of boring. Um, Hawaii, you're so crazy and fun. You automatically win the pick. We don't really pick a watchability game when there's only three or four games. But like, even when Hawaii loses, it's just amazing to watch. So if you want to watch something that's just pure entertainment, that's always Hawaii football. When you contrast that with an option team and an academy, I mean, what more could you ask for? Now, in terms of narrative and circumstance... If USC beats Arizona, we have to start talking about USC winning the Pac-12 because that's a thing. Yeah. Of all of all the things this season, USC winning the Pac-12 would be. I, I, know. I know. USC actually played a lot better against Notre Dame than I thought they would, and I think Notre Dame sort of tried to like coast a little bit, but damn, like Notre Dame should not have done that. They did not have that game put away. You know, when you're, like, hand, like when you're handing out had. consolation prizes uh, for best performance in a loss, I don't know if there's been a better one than than what happened last week against Notre Dame for USC, especially given the season that they've had. If Notre Dame doesn't pop that long touchdown against USC, buddy, that game is a different mm. story. Mm. Um, Richard, tell me about Malik Henry. Uh, well, Malik Henry, but shoot, Buzz got more on him than I do. Uh, but it is the Malik Henry show at Nevada. Um, is it Nevada? Is it Nevada? I don't know. Somebody will tweet and correct. Who me. cares? Um, Malik Henry is is the quarterback at Nevada. Uh, he of Florida State and Last Chance U fame. Um, so look, Nevada's playing a Utah State team that was pesky for about a quarter and a half against LSU with some blitzes. LSU was fine, whatever it's LSU. Nevada has had a really, really weird season. I beat UTEP and Weber State. Um, you know, they got smoked by Hawaii. Three-point wins over San Jose, who's awful, and Purdue before Purdue was hurt and injured. Um, I think Nevada really needs this to go to a bowl game looking forward. Um, but Malik can absolutely spin it. Like, it's still there. Now, sometimes he's spinning it 10 yards over a wide receiver's head, but, like, Malik Henry can take the top off a defense. Mm -hmm. And if you're drunk, if you're hammered, it's actually not on stadium or whatever the hell. You can actually watch the game. It's on ESPNU. Maybe tune in and see how your old pal Malik does. This was the guy who Jimbo picked to follow Jameis. After after that title season, he could have had any quarterback he wanted, and he settled on Malik Henry. And – Talent-wise. And we don't say settled. We don't say settled as like me. 
he like settled. That's who his pick became. Yeah, like yes. that's the Hand-picked. guy he wanted. Now he misjudged, obviously, all the personal issues and the off-field stuff, right? And Henry never even even threw a pass in Tallahassee, uh, and you saw him on 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 Last Chance You and whatnot. I will note, Nevada has two of the worst performances of the entire year. In fact, they have the number one worst performance in my ratings and the number three worst performance in my ratings out of anybody in the country this year. That's hard to do. They were 53 points worse than the spread against uh, against Oregon and then 47 points worse than the spread, I believe, against uh, against Hawaii at at home. Um, yeah, that's, that's crazy. Uh, also, with Hawaii, uh, good Lord, Hawaii is sloppy. Six fumbles in the first three quarters against Boise. Bud, who has the better backup quarterback to, to win this Boise State-BYU game? Boise State, we know, has the better team. But since it's it's likely both well, both uh, teams will have backups starting, uh, could that create some sort of, uh, or I should say, enough weirdness for BYU to make this a game? I think it's Boise by a lot. Chase Cord came in and played really well against Hawaii last week. We know that was a pretty close quarterback battle with Cord coming off an injury. I have real questions as to whether Bachmeyer would have even been the starter if Cord you know, had been able to go through spring and, and was not coming coming off the leg injury. Um, okay. He looked great. And, by the way, we called USF last weekend, get, getting BYU in it, and they, they, they came through for us. Uh, BYU's offense right now is real bad. I want to know if BYU can protect Jaron Hall, and I'm not sure that they can. All right. Uh, gentlemen, that's your Saturday. Let's go to the look-ahead lines real fast. Uh, I'm going to read these off, and then, Bud, I want you to explain, if you're not familiar exactly what a look-ahead line is, uh, next week we've got Wisconsin going to Ohio State, at uh, Ohio State being an 11-point favorite. Another 11-point favorite is LSU hosting Auburn. Uh, Penn State is a 7-point road favorite going to Michigan State. Texas is at TCU. The Horned Frogs are a 1-point home favorite. SMU is a 6-point road favorite going to Houston. And in a pick Notre Dame goes to Michigan. Now, what exactly, Bud, is a look-ahead line? A uh, look-ahead line is a line you can actually bet. Uh, most of these are pulled from the Westgate uh, Sportsbook in Vegas. They're just, they'll post lines on future games, right? And it entices more people to bet. It's also kind of a good indication. I usually look at the look-aheads when I'm putting together my lines, and I'll say, okay, wait. Last week, this was X. Now, it's Y. And the reason for that is this. Is that really worth the four- or five-point move, you know? It's kind of a way to, to stay grounded. Um, the two big games that we have next week, people, or the three, I guess, two of them, Wisconsin-Ohio State and Auburn-LSU, I mean, double-digit favorites. Right. Vegas does not think these games are as close as the media narrative is going to have them. Also, I think what would be surprising to people is Notre Dame at Michigan in a pick uh, If that come, If that is true, I'm going to go ahead and take Notre Dame on the road because Notre Dame's yeah, on the buddy. bye and Michigan is, you know, that's, I know it's a square. Everybody and their mother will have will have Notre Dame in that game. Yeah, and I understand taking Michigan defense at home makes sense, but I I kind of trust Brian Kelly there. By the way, if TCU gets Texas next week, uh, people are not going to be real happy with Tom Herman because their their wins this year would be Louisiana Tech, Rice, West Virginia, and Oak State by six points. Uh, could that Michigan line uh, swing one way or the other if Penn State just absolutely mauls them? No doubt. Probably. I mean, I don't think that you would see Michigan as more than a three-point uh, home dog. But, like, yeah, it, it, it could swing at least a field goal. So about three points you're saying. Okay. Good Probably. to know. Gentlemen, <clears throat> that's this week, and I will see you next week.